You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Sorry about yesterday. Maybe I talked about this on After Dark. I don't know. I'm recording this first today. I do what I feel like doing at the time. But um, very, very BC. We went out uh, driving all over the world to go get this new oven. So I got that back to the house, got her installed. I have now installed a new fridge, new oven, new, um, what do you call that, hood-mounted microwave, and a new dishwasher. And I also installed a new light fixture and then uh, ripped apart and repaired my uh, pellet grill. So been productive, but been very busy, and that's hindered my ability to do podcasts. So anyways... um. What I can tell you that we're not going to talk about is uh, Aaron Rodgers' time spent at the Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> I, I just imagine that that's like what everybody's talking about, so I'm just, I'm just assuring you that that won't come up. Again, glad he's having a good time, but that's not what we're talking about. But I'll tell you what, why don't we start with this? Um, I'm going to kind of back up here and give you a bunch of irrelevant details just because I want you to know kind of the journey my brain went on a little bit. One of the things that I think happens is we kind of think things sometimes and we don't exactly know why. I think a lot of the positions, especially like the the real heated ones that we get into on on Twitter, whether that be the Rogers thing or whatever, the Gutekunst thing, we know that we're really angry about stuff and we can kind of articulate it, but I think the us coming to these, you know, where we find all our data or whatever, that comes after the fact. We're already upset, and then we just go try to find data to, to back that up. We don't know exactly why we feel the way that we feel. And so once in a while, I kind of get stuck on, I know this is where I'm at, but I don't know why. And I've kind of been hinting at that all along with this Packers offseason on various different Packers issues. One of them kind of comes back to why are Packer fans, and I, I it, it would be a lot easier to come up with you know, random reasons if I wasn't one of them. Why are Packer fans feeling so good about things being new? We had a pretty good thing with Rodgers and Devontae and the whole crew, and we were winning a lot of games, and we were right on the cusp. Why are Packer fans, myself included, feeling so good about this? And and fully understanding that it's not even necessarily... And I think this is where people who don't feel good are getting confused or non-Packer fans are getting confused, at least from my perspective. It's not a feeling of, oh, we're going to start winning now. That's not it. It is a sort of good, potentially optimistic, and also slightly refreshing. All right, now that I've laid the groundwork, 
Let me take you through this little mental journey that I went on. NFL Insider reveals what DeAndre Hopkins wants from the NFL team that signs him. I saw that. I've seen a bunch of other articles. And the thing that stood out, and I mentioned this on Twitter, the thing that stood out to me was that the Packers are not on any of these lists as far as where should he go. Nobody's talking about the Packers. And I had mentioned, and again, I didn't really know why, but I had mentioned it feels good. It feels refreshing. It's not this constant barrage of Packers need him, Packers need him, got to go to the Packers, send him to the Packers, got to go to... And it just felt good to not want that anymore. But again, I, I couldn't fully flesh out why. And so then I started thinking, again, kind of going through all this different stuff that I couldn't quite figure out and, and try to get to the bottom of why is it we're so optimistic? Why is it we feel so good about these things that don't necessarily make sense? And I think it does kind of tie together. I, I, I think a lot of us are tired of the same old formula just not working. Tired of, well, you know, we, everything seems to be just about perfect. Right, You have basically the number one quarterback in football. That gets you 85 to 90% of the way there to begin with. Then you have the number one wide receiver, the number one tackle, one of the uh, top five pass-blocking offensive line, one of the top running backs in football, top corners in football, one of the top pass rushers in football. Like, How many freaking tops can you have, along with other really solid to adequate players, before it's like, I don't know what to do. And I said that after we lost, I think, in 2020. I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know what to say. That, I think 2020 is when everything just broke for me and probably for a lot of other Packer fans. If we can't win with this, I don't know what to do. And I think a lot of other Packer fans went in a different direction, either because they forgot about 2020 or because they just had a very different perspective and that was the team was bad or something. I don't know. But there seems to be this other camp that's like, no, no, it's just, it's, it's bad and if it was better, we would have won. But I'm, I, I just got to the point of exhaustion with, well, maybe if we just add a little more. And then we add a little more and it doesn't fix it. Well, maybe if we just add a little more. Well, maybe if we add a little more. Maybe a little bit of late stage, broke down, gas, gas tank on E, DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe if he came. Maybe if Julio came. Maybe if Odell came. Maybe if we just sprinkle on these guys who are not in their primes, but we'll pretend that they are. If we can just get them, pretend that they're elite, and just tear up. Maybe that'll be the thing that'll do it. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And guess what? Nothing ever fixed it. You guys ever put together furniture? It's not the most fun thing in the world. Have you ever maybe neglected instructions a little bit? Or let me put it to you this way, because I kind of did it yesterday, although it wasn't as big of a deal, but let's pretend that it was for the sake of the illustration. When I was... So, first of all, we went and got this stove, electric stove, brought it home. Can't plug it in because it's not the right plug. So what does that mean? We have to go get a new power cord for our new stove, which means I have to rip this freaking thing apart. And, and I was hoping, well, maybe the, the connections are just right on the bottom. Nope, you got to take off a panel. My wife tells me, no, I think you have to take off a panel. I'm thinking it's a little shield that you take off. Nope, the whole freaking back of the thing needs to come. So I'm slamming stuff, freaking stupid thing all day. I'm tired when deal with the freaking doing that whole routine. Anyways, whatever it is, you're putting something together. And maybe you kind of didn't get something quite right. And you get to that last screw or that last thing or whatever, and it's just not there. And you try to force it, right? Like, you know, the, the hole and the, the, 
the the hole for the panel and the hole that you screw into are not lining up quite there and you're trying to angle it a little bit and you're trying to pry it you stick like a screwdriver in there and you're trying to pull on it like come on just get over just a little bit it's almost there and you're trying and you're trying and you're trying and then you finally get to the realization it's time to stop trying we need to back these other screws out get it lined up do it the right way and it sucks nobody wants to do that just Please just go in. I want to be done. Now, again, it wasn't that big. It took me four seconds to do it, but it was just really one. I, I put one down a little too tight. I know not to do that, but I just couldn't quite move it. But sometimes it's a bigger deal. You know, sometimes you forgot a piece and you're like, you're trying to fit it in there. Like maybe if I don't need to take it all the way off in order to put this piece that I forgot on there. And you're trying and you're twisting and doing everything you can to just prevent tearing it down and rebuilding it and going again. I know what you're thinking. Oh, I thought they weren't rebuilding. It's just an illustration. It's an illustration to say that the direction that we were going was stuck. And we couldn't get in that last screw. And we needed to just stop trying to force it. You're not getting the back panel on. You're not going to finish the job unless you just do it the right way from the start. Again, because I'm getting pissed off about the rebuild thing, I'm not talking about the whole oven. All right? We got to back a couple things out, recenter it, put this screw in, and then we can bang, 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 screw them all down. Okay? Not a full rebuild. But the point is, we keep trying to force it because we don't want to change course. We don't want to go in a different direction. I want to keep doing it. I don't want to have to go backwards. And I think for a lot of us, we had just reached that point. And I understand it's, it's fun and it's great having like really good players and winning lots of games and all that. But there is sort of this refreshing feeling and yes, a sense of optimism because at least we're going to try something different. Because we got to the point where we realized that this formula, this path that we had taken, it's not working. The GM is packing so much talent into this thing that it's busting at the seams. Then we add random free agents and they become superstars and we still can't win. Well, maybe if we had a tight end. Well, maybe if we had, you know, a a second corner. Well, maybe if we had somebody next to Kenny. Maybe, 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 maybe not. Because every time we finally get that thing, it doesn't fix anything. We brought Amos in. He was a fantastic safety. Awesome. We got one. Didn't do anything. We drafted Jair. Became the number one corner in football. Didn't do anything. We got Rashawn. He became a top five pass rusher. Didn't do anything. We didn't. Well, our linebackers are terrible. We can't stop the run. We got Devondre Campbell. He became the number one linebacker in football via PFF. It didn't fix anything. All this crap about, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Well, then we fix that, yeah, but, and it doesn't work, and there's always just going to be another, yeah, but what about special teams? Well, we fixed special teams. How did that work out? Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Just freaking win. Stop your whining. It's always one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. It's always going to be one more thing. We got to find a way to finish the freaking deal. And again, the, the only thing I could really come to with this was going back to that Tunyon comment. What was different? What, what was missing for this team? It was the locker room. The locker room is what was missing. I don't know what was going on in there, but I know it wasn't good. I know that they didn't believe in themselves because the players said so. And so, look, it's entirely possible that we get the locker room right, but now we're missing the talent. Now we're missing the quarterback. That's entirely possible. But the point is, unless we back the, those freaking screws out, and fix that locker room thing, we're not winning anything. And so, yes, we're getting overexcited about Jordan Love out on a boat with A.J. Dillon and Josiah DeGuara and, and Christian Watson. Yeah, we're excited about it. But there's a reason for it. It's because in, in the specific case of the Green Bay Packers, that was what was missing. 
now we got to hope that when we finally do put it all back because we got that screw in right now we got to put the other screws back in and this thing isn't going to be right until all of them are lined up and screwed in we're hoping as we go along we, we don't find out oh shoot i forgot something else we got to take it off again but the point is we got that thing in we got that final piece now okay so that's good now we gotta now we gotta play the season we gotta see what's missing maybe the quarterback is what's missing i don't know and we got to get another one and bring him in and hope that he can acclimate with the guys like you know they're starting to come together as a locker room hopefully he fits in real well maybe it's not maybe it's an offensive lineman maybe it's a uh, freaking i don't know uh, 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 another corner or something is is a uh, the detriment of the team but we won't know until we move ahead all i know is that we back the screws out we got it lined up, and the screw that was just not fitting for a really long time, it just went in. And I'll tell you what, as annoying as it is to have to go backwards and then go forward, when you get that thing in, it does feel good. But of course, there's always fear as you go along that something's not going to fit. You did something wrong. You did something backwards. Actually, there was another example of that as I was doing the the stove. For what are, there, There's like a plate that goes on the inside of the back, and then there's the clamp for the power cord so that you know it doesn't get ripped out from the cables and i had the plate on the wrong side and you're trying to like see if i can just kind of pop it up over the top and you can't do it so it's a freaking take it off you know at least enough so that you can finally get it up over there and put it back on so there's you know those moments are going to happen and i think look i think the bottom line is the packers pushed and pushed and they twisted and contorted and tried as hard as they could to make the way that they did things that time work and it wasn't working I mean, some of it worked, right? Regular season was great. Won MVP, all kinds of awards, Pro Bowls, blah, blah, blah. But when it came down to it, something was missing. There's clearly, and, and I know, you know, there, there's, you're not guaranteed to win anything anyways. But when you look at how bad they played, it wasn't just a simple matter of, you know, hey, stuff happens. No, this was uniquely horrible. The bottom line is something was broken. And let's just add one more piece. Wasn't going to fix it. Let's go get D-Hop. Let's go get this. Let's go get that. It's not going to fix it. We have been playing that game for such... And this goes on way beyond the last couple of years. We had that down patch where Rodgers got hurt, and then he came back, and the team had just completely imploded. But even prior to that, we were still playing that same game. Loaded team. Offensive line, wide receivers up the wazoo, elite quarterback. You know, you go back to 2016, 2015, 2014, 2013, 2012... We've been playing that game for 10 years. We know what our core is. We got to figure out how to make this core of guys win another Super Bowl. Well, let's add this. Let's add this. Let's add it. Just, it's tired of it. It's not working. We tried and we reached such a point where I, I don't know that I've seen a more talented roster and they got embarrassed in the playoffs. Something else was completely broken. It's not going to fit. Screw's not going to fit. We got to back up. And so I can only speak for myself, but it was a bit of a revelation for me thinking this through for a while, trying to figure out why it is that I feel the way that I feel about certain stuff, because it doesn't fully make sense to me. And I think that's kind of what it is. I think that's why, despite the fact that I know how good Aaron Rodgers can still be for maybe another year or two before he decides to retire, not that that's even an option because he doesn't want to be here, but despite that, Let's say we can go back and Gutekunst and those guys, they're all best friends and Rodgers wants to be here forever. It still just feels like it's, it's, it's run its course. 
And that's the big part that never really made sense to me. If you would have said, let's say we clean all this up, and let's just say he doesn't even get that behemoth, disgusting contract. Let's just say Rodgers is here. He wants to be here. You might get another year, two, whatever. Maybe three, maybe four, who knows? Do you want to do it? The answer feels like it should be definitely yes, but it's not. And I think that's why. We have an opportunity right now with an extremely young core of guys. If we, if we play this out for three more years with Rodgers, Watson, Dobbs, Jaden Reed, all these guys, they're not a young group of guys anymore. So now we start the process of trying to find a quarterback. So we get a, a young quarterback to come in there with Watson's, what, year four, year five? No, we have essentially year one, Jordan Love, first year starter, year two, Watson, year two, Dobbs, year one, Jaden Reed. Dylan's been here, what, three years, four years? DeGuara's a young guy. Both of the tight ends are rookies. Zach Tom's year two. Eldon's, you know, three, four years, something. I don't know, two years. Three years, four years, five years, who cares? Handful of years. Runyon's a young guy. Myers is a young guy. This is the core right here, right now. That's why it feels good. It's going to need some tweaking. I'm not saying we're not going to make any adjustments. I'm saying hopefully it's it's as few as possible because if we're just staggering this, where it's like, well, two of these guys hit and then two of these guys and then two of these guys, you're not getting that that group camaraderie. It's a bunch of new guys who just got here. You end up with that, you know, again, year five, jaded Watson after he gets his mega contract some young nobody quarterback comes in that we picked up with the fourth pick probably the second or third or fourth quarterback you know and then you start to get this here we go again mentality with like here comes another quarterback we're gonna trot out that's why we need this not not not, I shouldn't say need but that's why it's important and ideal that this works that's why we need Jordan Love again need is a little strong but it's not far off from reality we need love to be the guy this is it this is the picture that right there is the crew those guys hanging out having a good time becoming really 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 good friends that's it and i think that's what that refreshing feeling is is we we got that stupid freaking thing that we couldn't get in there because we did it wrong to begin with because we didn't follow the freaking instructions but the freaking thing is in there now and now we can start putting it together and oh now, now, now those things are just going in smooth. You know what I mean? Like everything's just, oh yeah, there we go. Why didn't I just do this to begin with? You know, that, that becomes the only frustration you have at this point. Why did it take us so long? But anyways, that's, that's the clarity that, uh, I was afforded today. Hopefully that provided you a little bit, but anyways, having spent most of, uh, the day today arguing with Bears fans, one of the benefits of doing that is occasionally people will bring up a point and, even if you know it's true, you need to be able to back it up with something. So you have to do a lot of looking into things. One of the things that, well, almost nothing that has come up has any substance. This whole thing started because Jordan Love, you know he's going to be bad because he's on a boat with his friends. And also Justin Fields has a six pack and Jordan Love doesn't, which is funny because I haven't heard them bust that one out in a while since he was a rookie. They were all gushing over his body when they drafted him, which, you know, whatever you're into, I don't know. That's, that's that's your deal. Bears fans are really excited about Justin Fields' body. Which, by the way, if you come across that very simple answer that I discovered that I'm going to use from now on, I just say he's built like a running back. Because, to be honest, he kind of is. But anyways, one of the common refrains is, look at what Vegas has to say. We talked about it a little bit, but this Vegas thing is really, really being um, brought down several pegs for several reasons. Just to give you a slight recap, the Bears are favored. Many betting lines have it at 2.5. I see that it's already coming down to 2. I think around 2 points is what you'd expect for home field advantage. I know the general consensus is 3, but from some of the 
uh, Vegas betting, gambling folks or whatever, they'll they'll the numbers nerds whatever they'll tell you that home field does not give you three points. So either way, if it's three, then the Bears are actually not favorites. If it's two, then they're about even. But let's just forget the whole home field advantage thing and the fact that if this was in Green Bay, it might be a slightly different thing. Let's just continue on with that for a second, okay? One of the things that I had mentioned is the most important number to look at, if you really care about Vegas's opinion, is the number that came out initially. You'll see it as the open, right? What is Vegas open at? Do you know what it opened at? I looked it up because I figure I might as well since I'm getting into these arguments. It opened at Chicago minus one. Minus one. Then I looked over at FanDuel. FanDuel was kind of, because FanDuel is actually down to two, as I mentioned. Some of these are coming down to two. FanDuel, I think, uh, came down to minus two in favor of the Chicago Bears. One of the things I mentioned, though, is they try to get the bets 50-50, which is to say if there's a flood of bets that go toward the Chicago Bears, what they'll do is they'll take it from minus one to minus two to minus two and a half to whatever. It shot up from minus one to minus two and a half to minus three at one point. But FanDuel, I noticed, actually tells you what percentage of the bets are going toward what team. 85% of bettors were going toward Chicago. So this is where Vegas and the, um, uh, the, the population at large, I guess, will disagree. Vegas ran it through all their computers. They said Chicago minus one is a good spot to set the line. And everybody came out. And, and it, by the way, this doesn't mean that it's wrong. It's possible that everybody else is seeing something that Vegas isn't or whatever. But as I mentioned last time we talked about this, there are specific reasons why the Bears are being overvalued and the Packers are being undervalued. I'm not going to go through it again. We've done it a thousand times. But for those reasons, everybody saw uh, in Chicago... Bears only favored minus one, and they thought that's easy money. The Packers are going to be terrible this year. The Bears are going to be significantly better with the this great offseason they've had. Because again, And that's the other, the other reason why it's good to be plugged into what everybody's saying. The media narrative has been Bears had a great offseason. They killed it in the draft. They killed it in free agency. They've done a ton of stuff. So when people just look at that from a casual standpoint, they'll see, well, the Bears are vastly improved, and the Packers lost Rodgers, so they're going to tank. So in what universe do the Packers beat the Bears in Chicago? And so 85% of the bets went to the Chicago Bears. And so what did they do? They moved the line to make it less desirable for the Bears. They didn't want to go too far. You know, it's not like minus 8 or minus 10, because um, they don't want to dish out too much money. But it's found its way up to minus three, and then it shot back down to minus one, and then it slowly climbed its way back up. Uh, it looks like the spread is sitting currently, I think this is FanDuel, at, as I said, minus two. But that's the most important thing to note. It's not just what is the line set at, but what does it mean? It means that Vegas thought that minus one was a good bet to put on the Bears at home week one with all the unknowns in Green Bay. And that the line moved because the betting populace as a whole came out and hammered the Chicago Bears. Now, if the overall populace is right, that's fine. But the, the problem is when Bears fans are saying, look at what Vegas is saying. Vegas said minus one. That's what they said. Where the line is now has to do with what the population at large seems to think. But here's the thing. There's, there's a couple other ways that we can look at this, because again, week one, a lot of bets are starting to get hammered into it, which is affecting the betting lines. But why don't we look at this? If we're curious about home field advantage, I don't know about you, but I'm of the 
I, at least I, I was of the opinion that the Packers and Bears play each other twice, and that one time is, is in Chicago and one time is in Green Bay, which would mean that the Packers and Bears will play again, but this time in Lambeau Field. Do you think the Bears are favorites in Lambeau Field or not? Well, let's take a look. This via Vegas Insider, um, the Packers as of right now are two-point favorites in Green Bay against the Chicago Bears on January 7th, 2024. Two-point favorites. So there you go. The Bears are two-and-a-half-point favorites after the impact of the population at large. But what did Vegas set it at before all that impact? Minus one. So the Bears were one-point favorites, according to Vegas in Chicago. The Packers are two-point favorites against the Bears in Green Bay, according to Vegas. If you want to know what Vegas actually thinks, but we don't have to stop there. There's other ways to see who Vegas thinks is a better football team. Now, it depends which site you go to, obviously. But there are things like NFL futures. For example, who's going to win the Super Bowl? What do you? What is the first thing you look for? It's the open. What did Vegas set it at to begin with? Green Bay Packers, plus 3,000. Chicago, plus 8,000. It's not even close. Even today, FanDuel, plus 4,000. For Green Bay to win the Super Bowl, plus 6,000 for Chicago. DraftKings does have Chicago ahead by 1,000. Um, points bet has the Packers plus 3,300, Chicago plus 4,000. So points bet also has Green Bay. BetGM has them the exact same. And um, I think that's all this site has. So when Vegas opened it up, they put the Packers significantly ahead. And even with some of the movement that has happened, it still seems to be pretty largely in the Packers' favor, with the exception of, I think, one website. The Who wins the uh, NFC? Very similar. It's, it's, you could chalk it up to being even if you'd like, but there is no consensus that this new-look Chicago Bears team is better than the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are a massive wild card. They have a quarterback we don't know anything about. They have wide receivers we don't know anything about. They have tight ends we don't know anything about. And Vegas is still largely saying, I kind of like the Packers more than the Bears. You guys have your Hall of Fame franchise quarterback ready to go, locked and loaded. Everybody should love this guy. You have that, and you have this elite number one wide receiver that we don't have, supposedly. right? We can't say Watson because we don't know enough yet. We can't say Love because we don't know. So we're not allowed to say anything yet. Fine. Then why does Vegas like us more than you? So look, this is very similar to the wide receiver discussion last year when we're trying to discuss, you know, which team was last as opposed to second last. But again, if you find yourself in these situations, don't let people say nonsense and get away with it. They are two-point favorites at home, largely because of public perception that the Bears are going to be significantly better and the Packers are going to be significantly worse. Vegas's opinion was to put the Chicago Bears at minus one, which when you adjust for home field advantage tells me that they actually think the Packers are the better football team. I don't know what they put home field advantage at, but I know it's more than minus one. And the line is moving in a different direction. I wouldn't be surprised if that continues, in part because at this time, as people have had time to sit back and look at things, a lot of people are looking at that line going, that's kind of ridiculous. You know, you're hearing it. Michael Lombardi and a bunch of other people saying, I think the Packers are undervalued. As more people start to consume that information and hear it, they're going to realize that the Packers are a good bet. A lot of people are saying that right now. I bet the Packers, even people that are trashing the Packers are like, look, I don't think they're that. I bet on them because the, 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 the line against them is ridiculous. The public perception is thrown this way out of, way out of, uh, 
kilter, but still, you know, I don't, I don't like him or anything. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break? We'll come back and, I don't know, talk about the Packers or something. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. So as I do frequently, um, I want to respond to an article here that was written by Mr. Bill Huber. It says, with love, here comes the blitz. Defenses didn't just blitz Aaron Rodgers over the years. It's going to be a different story for the Jordan Love-led Packers in 2023. Uh, picking out a couple areas in the article here. According to Sports Info Solutions, opponents blitzed 21% of the time last season. That was the seventh lowest rate in the NFL. It's probably going to be an ice cream parlor of flavors in 2023 with the entire menu of blitzes being thrown at new quarterback Jordan Love. Probably is an important word as far as what my response is. Probably also was the word that Tom Clemens used as he cited in the article. Says, against the Blitz in 2022, Rodgers' passer rating versus the Blitz was 97.1 compared to 88.5 when not blitzed. According to Pro Football Focus in 2021, Rodgers' rating versus the Blitz was 113.5 compared to 109.7 when not blitzed. Love played significant snaps in two games with Rodgers out with COVID. The Chiefs beat the Packers 13-7. Love was blitzed 53.8% of his dropbacks and was a dreadful 7-18 of passing. In the meaningless finale at Detroit, Love played the second half along a bunch of backups. He was much better versus the Blitz in that game, with the caveat of facing a much worse defense. Blitz on half his dropbacks, he went 8 of 10. Look, without poking through this, the bottom line is, just to clarify, I'm not even necessarily disagreeing, I I just want to phrase this differently. This isn't a simple matter of, you know, Aaron Rodgers was a veteran quarterback, he's been in the league a long time, and so it's better to not blitz him. With Jordan Love, he's young, and inexperienced and therefore they're just going to throw the kitchen sink at him i think the second part of the article started to make a little bit more sense when it started to talk about how good somebody is now if that is meant to be the point of the article i'll 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 just say that he's obviously coming to the conclusion that jordan love is just bad against the blitz which okay but here is where i would i guess make my correction it's not about experience when it comes to the amount of times a person is blitzed If we look at the numbers via PFF, um, out of 40 quarterbacks, um, Aaron Rodgers was blitzed the, let's just flip this so it's the uh, 15th least. Now that's certainly not as impressive as the article made it out to be from a standpoint of like, you just never do it because he's so good. Well, he's 15th. He was tied actually with uh, Taylor Heineke. But look, this is actually very simple. Doesn't matter how long you've been in the league. What matters is how good you are against the Blitz. And so the point for Jordan Love is, you just got to be good against the Blitz. And I had mentioned this before, and I just had a huge blast of deja vu that completely lost my train of thought. I hope we haven't talked about this topic already. I know I did the research on this before, but I, I hope I wasn't talking to you as I was doing it. Sorry, you can just turn it off, I guess, if we did already. But anyways, I had mentioned that more than likely, teams are going to try to apply pressure just to see how well it works. 
If it works, they'll keep doing it. If it doesn't, they're going to back off. But the correlation is very simply having to do with how good you are against the blitz, against pressure, um, compared to just not being very good at it. So, for example, the least blitzed player... By the way, did I give you Rodgers' stats? Or I had to delete a bunch because I was on 2021. Um, Rodgers was last year... Excuse me, this year... 15th in terms of the amount of times he was pressured. But anyways, the least pressured quarterback was Tom Brady. You look at that, CC, another crafty veteran. Don't bother going after Tom. Well, that's true. There was really no difference between his grades when blitzed and not blitzed. And so why remove an extra DB out of coverage when it doesn't really affect the quarterback? But here's the thing. You know who the second least blitzed quarterback was? It wasn't Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't Pat Mahomes. It wasn't Matt Stafford or Kirk Cousins or some other veteran guy. It was Kenny Pickett. It was the rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett. And that would be for the exact same reason as with Tom Brady. His grades are almost identical when blitzed than when not blitzed. So you know what? They didn't blitz him. On the other side, you look at the most blitzed players. And at the top, you have Desmond Ritter. Well, that makes sense. He's a rookie guy. You want to throw the... the kitchen sink at him. You know who's the second most blitzed guy? Jameis Winston. He's a veteran. After that, Zach Wilson. Well, that makes sense. He's a young guy and he, all that stuff. After that, Marcus Mariota. After that, Lamar Jackson. Why is that? Well, Lamar Jackson has a 66 PFF grade when he's blitzed. He has an 81 PFF grade when he's not blitzed. So what would you do if you were a defensive coordinator? Marcus Mariota, 59 to 64. Pretty close, but it's better to blitz. Even Zach Wilson. Well, he's bad. He's unexperienced and all that. That's true, but he's worse when he's blitzed. He has a 52 PFF grade when he's not blitzed, but a 40 when he is blitzed. So just keep doing it. You know, uh, Jalen Hurts was one of the more blitzed players. Not not because he's bad, because he wasn't. 77 grade, but guess what he was when he wasn't blitzed? 88. So you're blitzing him just to make him not super elite. So... You know, as, as obvious as this is, this is nothing more, and this applies to every single possible category, whether down to the types of coverages they play or, or different types of schemes that they might have. It all just comes down to finding out what, they, what Jordan Love doesn't do well in doing that thing or doesn't do well against in doing that thing. If it's blitzing, they're going to blitz. If it's cover two, they're going to play cover two. Every quarterback has strengths and weaknesses. They're going to discover what Jordan loves are, and they're going to attack those things. So it makes being a football player so hard. You can't just be a one-trick pony. You got to be able to kind of do everything. If there's something you can't handle, it's just going to get thrown at you over and over and over and over and over again. You're a wide receiver that can't play in man coverage. You're going to be manned up all day. So with love, here comes the blitz. I don't know. What defensive coordinators are going to do is they're going to try to figure out what they think is going to work best against Jordan Love. If they think it has to do with blitzing, then sure, they'll blitz. But I don't know that that's necessarily the thing. We can look at Jordan Love. What were his grades when blitz compared to not blitz? It was 73 compared to 76. It was almost identical. Most of the other quarterbacks that I've seen who have pretty identical grades, whether blitzed or not blitzed, they don't get blitzed very much. Well, as a small sample, yeah, okay. Everything's a small sample size, but we want to glom on to Kansas City or every, every other thing that we can. But here's the thing. It makes sense. Why would Jordan Love be able to thrive in an environment when he's blitzed as opposed to some other quarterbacks that can't? 
Sometimes it's just straight-up skill. Sometimes we think we're just talking about, well, it's because they're an elite quarterback and they can handle it. Okay, well, why are some better than when they're not blitzed? Why would Tom Brady never be blitzed, and why is he so good against the blitz? Is it just because he's really good, or is it the style of football that he plays? Let me ask you this. If the ball comes out way too fast for an extra blitzer to even get to the quarterback, is it beneficial or not beneficial to have that one less person in coverage for the quarterback to be able to operate with? Let me ask you this question. If I sorted the uh, quarterbacks based on their time to throw when they're blitzed, do you think that there would be any correlation between how good they are on the top of the order as opposed to at the bottom of the order? Because I can tell you, there kind of is. And at the very top, you know who's at the top? Tom Brady. He gets the ball out of his hand in 2.2 seconds when he's blitzed. So what's the point of blitzing him? You're not going to get to him. And all you're doing is bringing an extra guy out of coverage. You know who's at the very bottom? Justin Fields. 3.28 seconds. He holds onto the ball. I don't even know. That's the thing. All that running around. You know what? You know that he's doing a lot of running around because nobody has the ability to hold on that long when they're getting blitzed unless they're just escape artists. But he has a 55 grade when he's blitzed. You know who else holds onto the ball a long time? Zach Wilson. He has a 40 grade. After that is Tyler Huntley, 63. After that, Sam Darnold, 63. After that, Lamar Jackson, 66. There's, I mean, it's not a direct one-to-one correlation, but there certainly is quarterbacks who, and it's not even so much the talent as it is how f- rarely they end up getting, what, what, again, what is the point? You're wasting your time. And so if what we saw against the Eagles is what we're likely to see moving forward, then yeah, teams will try to blitz, but as long as Jordan Love can stay composed and get the ball out in 2.2, 2.3, 2.4 seconds, it's not going to matter. Nobody's going to get to him fast enough. The ball's out, and so you're wasting your time. And there are other ways to beat blitzes, aside from just getting the ball out quickly. And if you're sending guys from the outside, we can run the ball up the middle. I mean, again, you run the ball, and unless the blitz happens to get lucky, generally that's not a great thing. There's screens, and there's wide receiver screens, and You can't just blitz, 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 and say, ah, see, he's going to be done. It's just not that simple. Nothing is that simple in football. We try to make everything super simple, but it's not. And so while, yes, from a very obvious standpoint, the book on Aaron Rodgers was a lot smaller than the book on Jordan Love, well, duh, because after decades with Rodgers, or decade and a half with Rodgers, defensive coordinators kind of learned what to do against him and what not to do against him. So you have a smaller playbook. It's very simple. Right? Blitzing is not super effective, so we don't do it a ton. He still did it. I mean, he was 15th least, so it's, I mean, it's kind of relatively close to the middle. Um, but it wasn't a massive part of the repertoire against him, but there were certain things that you did do a lot because you knew he couldn't handle it very well or he didn't like to do those things. I don't know what they are, but the defensive coordinators did, and that's what they ran against him. So, yeah, the the there's a lot... What did he say? The... Uh, Baskin and Robbins, was it, 32 flavors or whatever? Yeah, because they don't know him yet. But they'll learn, and they are going to find weaknesses, just like they do with every quarterback. So that's part of what the learning process is. The Bears are at a disadvantage because they don't know. So they're going to come out, and they're going to try to just guess what's going to work, and that might just be a lot of blitzing. I don't know. I think that might be a scary strategy. for Actually, actually I kind of hope that they do that, because that's what the Packers did at first. When the Packers lost Rashawn and were worried that they weren't going to generate enough pass rush, they decided to bring more more pass rushers, and it was a catastrophic decision because you still don't get home, and now you have nobody in coverage. The Bears also have really terrible pass rush 
um, ability up front. So if they bring extra guys and those guys aren't able to get home, you're making it a lot easier for Jordan Love to be able to see the field because there's a lot more open grass on the field. The alternative would be to play as though you're scared of Jordan Love and drop a bunch of people in coverage, giving us the opportunity to run the ball more, trying to get you to come up and chase and attack so that we can hit you with the play action. But you're not going to do that, are you? You're not going to play scared of Jordan Love. You're going to go get him, right? Yeah, go get him. Run the ball, run the ball. Just setting up that play action. But anyways, again, it's not even necessarily a disagreement. It's just kind of... The article comes across as being somewhat negative, and it's really not a negative thing. It comes off as Rodgers was never blitzed because he was a really experienced, crafty veteran, super talented, etc., etc. Jordan Love is inexperienced and also potentially really bad at it, so there's going to be a ton of it and it's going to be problematic. That's just not how I would phrase that. Anyways, I'm going to close it out here. Uh, we've got OTAs coming up. We've got, uh, what are the dates here? Um, week two of OTAs are May 30th, 31st, and June 2nd. So that would be Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. I don't know how many are going to be open to the media. Probably, my guess would be just one, just like last time. I don't think anything even says like what the days are. But that would just be my guess, whether that be on a, the Wednesday one or whatever. And then week three is going to be June 5th, 6th, and 8th. That's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. After that, we've got our um, what three-day mini, mini camp, June 13th, 14th, and 15th. And then we actually hit a little bit of a dry patch. So that's, that's what it is. We'll make do. But for now, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.